Oh, I love the worship, Jan, this morning. It's so good. I love that. The song, your love never fails, it never gives up. It never gives up on me. And I think we need to have that running through our mind today as we go into our teaching, you know, and um, it's just, oh, it's true. It's, that is a true statement, and the, the word tells us that. His love has never given up on us. So, um, anyways, let's get into our study. Um, Sunday, gosh, um, wasn't Sunday's message a perfect compliment to our study here in the book of Romans, in, in, especially in chapter 14? Um, if you haven't listened to it or didn't watch it, I highly recommend that you would do that. It, it was, the message was very powerful. But in Pastor Doug's message, um, he said a few things that uh, I would like to quote for us as we begin our study today to kind of think of you know, where we've been, where we're going. Uh, the first one is, it's the fear of the Lord when you realize you can't fool God. Throughout all history, there has always been opposition. Only those who are seeking the kingdom will press into it. Those who seek the kingdom will press into it. Jesus is not against the law. He came to fulfill it. Haven't we learned that throughout Romans? Jesus came to fulfill it. and We've talked so much about the law. Jesus changes our relationship with the law. He fulfilled the law and he was perfect in it all. He changed our relationship with the law. I, I think that's a, that's a beautiful um, picture to remember. People will play games just to justify themselves before the Lord. And we see that every day. Maybe we've been a part of that, I don't know. Um, then he says, get rid of all the phoniness and pretension. And then it's a beautiful thing when you finally come to God and say, I'm done with my games. And finally, he closed with, today we see that Jesus is weaning us from the world. And I think we need, that is a good thing to remember. And I think we have found that the book of Romans uh, doesn't play games. It has pointed out our phoniness, our pretension, our, our falsehood. It boldly tells us to take off our false front and, encourage our, and encourages our weaning of worldliness in our thought life, daily life, and the actions that those things lead to. Throughout this book of Romans, we also have heard over and over, and hopefully we have come, we have come or are coming to understand that Jesus is after our heart. And here in chapter 14, the matter of judging is also a matter of the heart. The kind of judging uh, will fill our, th this kind of judging will fill our hearts if we don't stop it. We need to stop this. Jesus wants our hearts. He, he wants our hearts so badly. He's, he, that's what he's after is our hearts. And for me, I want him to have mine. Don't you want him to have your heart? Man. So as we continue in chapter, in our chapter here, Joe Foch says chapter 14 is talking about the latitude in the church in the areas of conviction. And I like that, the latitude. So that is between us. This is, this is what this chapter is about. And we see this as Paul here in chapter 14 had jumped right in, laying out how not to be critical of others' convictions, you know, whether the weaker brother, and, and even sometimes I say the stronger one, you know, um, you know, because sometimes the stronger one thinks they know it all, you know, and so we need to be 
not critical of others' convictions. As believers, in the essential things, we must have unity. In the non-essential things, we must have liberty. And in all, we must have love. Love must cover all. And you know, it's interesting, because when you think about the life of Paul, it's not like he hasn't experienced a lot of differences with people. You know, I mean, he had, had a problem with John Mark, you know? And eventually, down the road, we see in the word that they worked it out, you know? And then, then you've got the disciples. They were all different. I mean, goodness. And Peter just spit out everything he thought, and, you know, the sons of thunder wanted to call down fire, and then they were asking to sit at the right hand or the left. I mean, goodness, these guys were all different. But all of them, what united them was their love for Christ. That's what united them, and that helped them work out their differences. We've learned that, that the foundational things of our faith are non-negotiable. And that we believe, in Jesus, we believe Jesus is the Son of God, that he was born of a virgin birth, that he lived, died, and rose to life for our forgiveness of sin and our salvation. We believe in the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we believe that Jesus is the only way to the Father because Jesus said that was so. Last week, Angela might have ruffled your feathers a bit with her list of non-essentials. One being wearing Harry Potter socks. <laughs> that made me laugh so hard. <laughs> but that's non-essential. Um, you know, maybe having a glass of wine for people with their dinner, that, that is non-essential. But drunkenness, we know, is a sin, right? The Bible is very clear on that. And it goes over and over that we're not to be drunk. So we would know that that would be a sin. But a glass of wine with dinner, that's non-essential. Uh, she also said that we aren't to accept everything that people think is okay to do. That we aren't to embrace love as the world would define it through the wording of being tolerant, which really means they want us to overlook sin. The Bible isn't vague about sin. It's not. Like fornication. I'm just jumping off Angela's stuff, so. <laughs> but it's a good one, because it's not, I don't think it's talked about enough in the church. You know, and, and where are people going to learn if we don't tell them, right? It's, we want to be holy people. But fornication, sex outside of marriage is still sin today. This has not evolved to meet the changing world. You know, the world has infiltrated the church, but the church needs to infiltrate the world. Sin is still sin, and forgiveness of sin through Jesus is why our foundational beliefs are so essential for us to hold on to. They're essential for us to hang on to. You know, our liberties, do you know that our liberties don't give us a license to sin? They don't. Division in the body of Christ is more dangerous than whether you eat meat, drink a beer, watch a movie, wear pants, leggings, or have a Christmas tree. Whatever your convictions are, allow love to lead you through your criticisms. Whatever your convictions are, and whatever you see others' convictions are, allow love to lead you through your criticisms. You know, that, that to me, that, I can get critical. I've been critical at times, and it comes right out of my mouth. I don't like it. But you know what? When I get critical, 
and I know I'm critical, that's when I have to take a step back and take an honest look at myself. Maybe you need to take a step back and have an honest look at yourself today. Taking an honest look at ourselves sometimes may be discouraging. I know I get discouraged at how I've been at times, opinionated, judgmental, only to come to a passage in Scripture like we have had this last couple of weeks, or a message spoken, or a sentence read that sits me down and tells me the truth about myself. I have convictions that I live by, and I believe the Holy Spirit has spoken to me about them. And I'm not a legalist. I love God's grace, but I live by the convictions that God has put upon me. My convictions about certain things I know for sure are from the Lord. And I know that if I did them, that they would be sin for me. But they may not be sin for someone else. So I live by my convictions, and I really try hard to let others live by theirs. If somebody asks me my opinion, I may give them my opinion because they ask for it. But normally, I would try to give grace in most circumstances. If it was a non, if it was a non-negotiable, and the Lord wanted me to talk to someone, I would talk to them. You know, but always with love and grace. Angela also reminded us that some of the things people don't do that you may do may have to do with their background, what they came out of. Maybe they came out of alcoholism. So I say, don't drink around them. That would just be so mean. You know, oh, you're an alcoholic? What a jerk. Don't do that. <laughs> I've also known those who have been drug addicts that don't even take an aspirin, so I never offer them one. You know, because that is their conviction. They know they need to live by that. And you know what? It's biblical that we give up our freedoms for the sake of others. It's biblical. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 9 through 13. I'm going to read it to you, because it just really got me. And, and, and Paul, Paul says, Take care that this liberty of yours does not somehow become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone sees you who have knowledge dining in, in an idol's temple, uh, will not his conscience, if he is weak, be strengthened to eat things sacrificed to idols? For through your knowledge, he who is weak is ruined, the, bro the brother for whose sake Christ died. And so, by sinning against the brethren and wounding their conscience when it is, when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Therefore... If food causes my brother to stumble, I will never eat it again, so that I will not cause my brother to stumble. That's pretty powerful words, you know, and we, and we should hear them. We should hear what he's saying. Um, don't make your brother stumble. I desire, to me, I, as I said, I desire to ha live a holy life by living by my convictions that God has put upon me. Joe Foch said about holiness, he said, holiness is a direction. And then he asks, are you being conformed and transformed to the likeness of Christ? This is the direction of holiness. If you want to go in the direction of holiness, pray to be 
conformed and transformed to the likeness of Christ because Christ is the only one who is truly holy. Maybe you've been convicted about certain things that are non-essential. Following through with those convictions is not law, it is the Lord. So if the Lord is, is convicting you, and uh, it's not the law, it's the Lord working in your life, and you should listen, perk up and listen and do what he's asking. We are to let the Lord be the judge as we heard last week, and of course we're gonna talk a little bit more about that today, and that each person is in a process. So as I was thinking about through this passage, and just as Angela was teaching again, um, I listened to it three times. I listened to it the second time. I listened to it in California when I was down at my parents' house, and then again when I got home, and then again Tuesday night with our group. But as I was thinking through the passage, I realized how brilliant God is. And you know, brilliant just isn't even a great enough word, but I, I realized how brilliant God is. Because um, I was thinking about our personal convictions. So personal convictions are personal. (laughs) (laughs) They're personal, just as our relationship with Jesus is personal, right? Um, These convictions are are intimate things the Lord has asked of us, intimate, personal. But the brilliant part to me beyond that is our personal convictions are only made known to us through us drawing near to God. (laughs) So he can tell us. So our personal convictions are only known to us as we draw nearer to the Lord. I think that's brilliant. It's a a way of saying, hey, you've got to come close so I can tell you. We need to be listening for his voice. We need to wait for his touch. We must draw near to the Lord to hear the things he is convicting us of. These convictions are relational between us and our Savior. They draw us closer and closer to a deeper relationship with him. I think it's just beautiful. It's so, I don't know, it just blew my mind. I don't know if it does you, but it did mine. Because I just, you know, sometimes convictions, you're just like, oh, why do I have to have that conviction? You know, I don't want that one. Give me another one, you know? Because sometimes they're just not, you want to do the things that, you know, you, I want to have this and I want to have that, but the Lord's saying, no, not for you, you know? It, and it's hard sometimes. But you know what? That draws me closer to the Lord. When I realize that and have my, how it deepens my relationship and my intimacy with him, okay, I welcome them. I welcome them to come. Convict me of what you want to convict me of so that I have to lean into you that I would know how to live them out. So our convictions are not law. They're the Lord. They're the Lord. They're from the Lord. So the reason I like what Joe Foch said, what I mentioned in the beginning, um, as this chapter begins, um, that the the latitude in the church in the area of conviction, that this is what this is talking about, is because here we learn we are uh, where we are where we personally are to live and walk out our walk with the Lord and what that looks like in relation to our sisters and brothers in Christ. We have, to, we have to wrestle out what is right for us, but we also have to wrestle out what is right in how we live out our life for others. I mean, you know, we're doing a lot of wrestling, I think, you know, but it, <laughs> it is hard sometimes, you know, but we're wrestling out what, what is right for me. 
and then what is right for me, for others, for my brothers and sisters? What is, what is right? Uh, this chapter and our remaining chapters, I hope, will prick your hearts um, for what we are to demonstrate, how we are to demonstrate our love towards others. I also, before we start into, this, into the, our verses, um, I also so much love that this, this chapter encourages us um, how to live out our church theme, which is Christ-centered, others-minded. I mean, if that doesn't say it all, I mean, I could probably walk off the stage right now and we'd be done, right? You know? Um, so if you want to know what Christ-minded, uh, Christ-centered and others-minded is, we're, re- we're doing it. Chapter 14, we're reading it, we're learning it. So, and, and many of us will wrestle with a lot of things, but I pray that uh, we hear, we learn, and we do as the Lord convicts us as we move into the, these next verses. So before we do, let me ask you, have you ever had a time when you knew the Lord was convicting or convicted you about something that was not foundational, because those are set in stone, but that he convicted you about something, um, but you chose to continue in it? I have. And I knew if I didn't follow through with that conviction that I would be in sin. I knew. Not because it was a sin, but because it would be being disobedient towards the Lord's leading. Now, when I put it that way, that was like, eek, disobedient. And then I thought, when I surrendered my life to the leading of Jesus, I surrendered so that, so that I would be led to what pleased him and glorified God. Not for me alone, but for all, also for, the, for that, that his life would be seen in me as I lived my daily life and as others looked on and as I interact with other believers. I mean, I, I surrendered to not just be a lone island. I surrendered because the, to be, have a relationship with the Lord, but as he moved in me, I also wanted to be able to interact with other people in the way that he's asking. And that brings us to verse seven. So remember, we're continuing on with the same thought that we have been going in this morning and since last week. So verse seven says, not one of us lives for himself, not one dies for himself. For if we live, we live for the Lord, or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. Not one of us lives for herself. Ah! That just seems like on a a chalkboard, you know, for us, you know. you know, if we just stopped and thought about that for a moment. <laughs> this statement in verse 7 can actually get our hackles up. Just this first part, not one of us lives for themselves. Um, because, you know, honestly, we naturally live for ourselves. It's, it's our flesh. Just in, here's some of the simple things we do for ourselves. We dress in what best complements us. I think every week when I have to teach up here that I'm going to be on screen, that I better wear something that I don't look like I'm, I'm ginormous. You know, so uh, we dress in what best complements us. <laughs> we eat to sustain us. We put on makeup, comb our hair, and some of us exercise to stay fit. Yet not all that we do is just for us. So we shower for ourselves 
but we also shower for others that will be next to us. <laughs> we brush our teeth and we put on deodorant. We do want to smell lovely for others. Warren Worsby talks about this, and he says this in a statement. He says, I'm living my own life is a statement no Christian ought to make. For we belong to the Lord, whether we live or die, he is, he is the Lord, and we must live to please him. So often the Christian who has questionable practices in his or her life cannot honestly say that these practices are done as unto the Lord. For in reality, they are practiced for selfish pleasure and not to honor the Lord. <laughs> this was a hard, hard verses. I didn't think they'd be this hard. But um, they're just, they're what we need to hear, obviously, because that's where we are. But it's a good thing to take a hard look at ourselves in honesty, you know? Um, how we live is how we honor the Lord. You know, I think if we need, we need to take a look in honesty, how are we living? Are we living for the Lord? Is that honoring to him? How we love our opinionated friends is how we honor and witness for the Lord. And hopefully they love us when we're opinionated. You know, a good question to ask ourselves daily would be, am I doing this unto the Lord? I mean, that keeps us on track. Am I doing this unto the Lord? If you're not sure, ask yourself that question. And if you don't know, don't do it because you're not sure. Wait and find out from the Lord. Paul's primary concern in this section of Romans is not how Christians, the Christian is to conduct himself in society, but how we express our life within the believing community. This is not just because society isn't, is unimportant. It is because the Christian community, as well as the individual, is to witness to the reality of Jesus. We are the witness to that Jesus is real. And, and we, that's how we communicate it with one another, yeah, is to love one another and not judge each other. We as believers are the only witness in the flesh that can witness to the reality of Jesus. And if we can't demonstrate that he is real to each other, how then will the unbeliever know? We are the face of Jesus to the unbelieving world and to each other. And if we can't get along, why would they want anything that we are offering? Why would we? You know, if I, I'm not going to get along with anybody, why would you want anything I had to offer? I could, I could tell you all the things and give you a bunch of knowledge from the Word of God, but if you want to see it active in my life. You know, I want to know, I always want to know, how did you get through that situation? It gives me hope to know that I could possibly get through the same thing. You know, it encourages me. The love which marks Christian relationship is itself a powerful testimony to Christ's presence. Powerful. The love of Christian relationships. The love that we have for each other is our testimony. Our attitude towards one another needs to build one another up. Attitudes reflected from us will strikingly confirm who we are and who we belong to. Wow, that really convicts me because I can have a really lame attitude a lot of times. Just about different things, not even important things I can have an attitude. But it's going to be reflected. You know, most of the time, anything I'm feeling is right here. You're going to know. If I'm not doing well, you're going to see it. Paul said to live as Christ. 
We are to live for Christ, and that means live by the convictions he has placed on us and stop trying to place our convictions on our neighbor. There are obviously many things that the Bible draws a very distinct line of right and wrong. However, there are practical day-to-day activities and behaviors that the Bible does not address, which we've been learning. So I just want to give an example. So let's take clothes, for instance, our clothing. Uh, Women are to wear dresses only, or can they wear pants? (laughs) Just saying. You know, I've witnessed women who have come to, to Christ as a believer, and in time, I have watched their attire completely change. Uh, some, it was obvious they needed to modest up a bit because their attire was a bit alluring. And others, you would have never thought that it was a problem. But for that woman, it came down to the attitude that she had while she was wearing those clothes, that it separated her from the Lord. You know, the more we draw near to the Lord, the more we know his heart for our lives. You know, when people come to the Lord, we have the wonderful, wonderful opportunity to watch God move and change their lives. In in the years I've had to disciple different people, I have watched right before my eyes them look more like Jesus every time I see them. I've watched different things about them change, whether it's their attire on the outside or a hardness of heart towards someone. It's, it's been beautiful. It's a beautiful thing that we are honored to get to watch as believers. So we must love them so that they're even willing to change. You know, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. Not because Paul was perf- perfect, but because he was following Christ, heart after Christ, to be with Christ, loving in the way that he, he was called to love. You know, I love Jan's story about the chick because I wrote down, you know you can seek him for the smallest, most insignificant answers, and if you are patient, he will speak, or your little chick will show up. You know, I love that. It's true. It's true. We can seek him for the smallest thing that we think is insignificant, but it's important to him. The Holy Spirit is always there, listening, And we need to listen for him. We need to lean in to hear him. You know, do you really want him to be your guide, your light, your path, your conscience? Or are we saying one thing and doing another? I really want him to be my guide, my light, my path, my conscience. I really do. And I pray that I can follow him even in my weaknesses. When I lived at home, I knew the right thing to do according to my parents' teaching. Sure, they weren't always with me at every moment of the day, but when I was faced with a choice, out of my respect for them, I, do, I did what I knew was right. You know? And how much more for our Lord and Savior, who is with us always. We have the Holy Spirit that walks with us every day. We just need to ask him what to do. You know, and I I can tell you, in your heart, you will know, because he resides in us, and he desires that we hear him, so he's going to speak so we can, but we have to stop and listen for him, and he will speak. 
But if you by chance are not sure of the things that you have want to do, because your desire is so strong to go ahead and do them, which I've been there, then that's when you wait. You just wait, and you wait for the answer. And that's very hard. It's very hard to wait. But waiting causes us to do what? To lean in and draw near to the Lord and listen for his answer. I, I've, I've totally been rescued many times from compromising positions that could have gotten me into a lot of trouble. But it's because I heeded that voice, that small voice that said, you better not go. And that small voice is the Holy Spirit speaking to me, saying, Janet, you live for the Lord. You live for the Lord. It's a good thing to remember that. We live for the Lord. If you don't know if it's something that will please the Lord, don't do it until you know. We got time. You know, we're not all going to have the same convictions from the Lord. This is where we don't judge. We love, and we allow the Lord to do his work in others his way, and that's grace. Which reminded me of chapter 12 and 13. Brought me back to love. We are to love our neighbor, which you remember, our neighbor is everyone who is not us. Right? Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. We are not to live for ourselves. We are to live for the Lord. Have you prayed for obedience lately? Man, I thought patience was hard. <laughs> but I do want to be obedient. When we are transformed by the renewing of our minds in Christ Jesus, our character changes. If you want to know if you are changing to be more like Christ, I say research yourself. Do a research on yourself. See if your character has changed in the last year, in the last month. Maybe you could ask yourself uh, a couple of questions like, have I stopped doing the things I once did that I knew I needed to change? Has my heart changed towards others to love them when I once couldn't stand them? Do I give grace when I, when I want to give my opinion? For not one of us lives for himself. Not one dies for himself, for we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are the Lord's. That should make us want to shout and sing, right? I mean, we are the Lord's. We are his. I love, I love it when people get to meet my children. They're mine. And I love them so much, sometimes it just, it just hurts. It makes me ache. But I am so proud to introduce them and that they are known as my children. No matter what they do, I am proud that I am their mom. They're my children. And I am the Lord's, and I want to represent him well. Whether I live or die, I want to be known as the Lord's. My friend Mary Beth recently passed away. When she got the word that there was nothing more that could be done for her cancer, and that her time here on this earth was coming to a close, her prayer request was that she would glorify God as she was dying and in her death. That was her prayer request. <laughs> and you know what? He answered it. Her prayer was answered. 
And she did glorify the Lord, her Savior, all the way through and all the way to the next. Even in death, we are to die for the Lord. But you know what? There's also a death to sin. And we're to glorify God when, when sin dies. We're to glorify God. And there is a death that we can feel in our convictions because we want this, but we're convicted to not have it. So there's a death to that, and we glorify God in that. In all we do, we are to do it for the Lord, unto the Lord. We do not live in a vacuum. Everything we do affects others. We need to consider our responsibility to others. We can demand freedom for ourselves, but we must also believe, allow other believers that same freedom. If demonstrating our freedom causes us to act in an uncaring, hurtful way towards another believer, then we are not yet set free. Our lives are ultimately for Christ alone. Our entire life from beginning to end belong to the Lord. We live to him and die to him. The Life Application Commentary says, Our relationship with the Lord is more important than life or death. And life and death are more important than religious observances. So all our discussions may never must never interfere with our relationship to Christ, who is our Lord. It is the Lord's judgment that matters. With respect to the way we treat other believers, we ought to consider the question, am I treating people as though they also belong to the Lord? Wow. Verse 1 told us to accept other believers who may be weak in the faith. Verse 3 says, God has accepted them. So who are we to condemn or treat them badly? Wow. For, for to this end, verse 9, Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Christ died and rose again, for this very purpose, to be Lord of all. If God accepts others, who are we to judge them? Christ died to free us and deliver us from judgment. Judgment for, is for Jesus and for him alone. He is the judge. We have no right to judge in matters of opinion. We do have a right to talk about the non-negotiables. But always with love. The Life Application Commentary goes on to say, for, many believe, for any believer to claim that to have the authority to tell others how they should think or act in matters of opinion is to usurp the position that Christ alone holds. I don't want to sit on the throne of God. That is for him, for him. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or you, verse 10, what... Again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will stand, all of us, before the judgment seat of God. So I want to pause here just a moment. And I want to point out, this is not where God judges the eternal destiny of all people. This is where believers' lives will be judged for what they have done. And you can find that in Matthew 12, 36 and 1 Peter 4, 5. So it's not for the all of eternity. This is what, where we're judged for what we have done, um, what we have done for the Lord in our lives. So verse 11, For it is written, 
As I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give praise to God. So then each one of us will give an account to himself to God. So what makes us, I always think, you know, after I read something, you know, with the judging thing and all of that, um, I think, what makes us think to judge others? What, what causes us to all of a sudden do that? And then, then I looked up the word contempt, because that's, you know, why do you regard your brother with contempt? Contempt is, is to disdain, despise, to think worthless, and to look down on. Wow. So why do we look down on others that aren't like us? I think that's the biggest problem that we probably have. Well, you know, because we think we're all that and, and more, I guess. Some, sometimes, I, I mean, I know I do, come on. You know, it's kind of, I do sometimes think that I, you know, I've got it all together and only for the Lord to show me I don't have it all together. <laughs> but it's, why, why is it that we look down on others that aren't like us? Are they worthless? I mean, I think we need to ask ourselves these questions. Are they worthless? If God cares about the lilies of the fields that are here today and gone tomorrow, why wouldn't he care more about our weaker brother? And if he cares for them, shouldn't we care for what he cares for? We should, yes, we should. I'll just give you the answer. We should care always for what God cares for. You know, because everyone, every single person, weak, strong, or in between, will stand before the judgment seat, all believers. Jesus Christ is our judge. And you know what? That actually brings me comfort knowing he's my judge because he's also my savior. You know, and his blood has covered me. And when I leave this earth, all of this stuff is going to be left behind and he's going to see me in glory. And I'm thankful that he's my judge. Non-essential things, ladies, are non-essential. Be about the essential things. Paul, in, in the verses, as I live and the, every knee shall bow, Paul is quoting from Isaiah 45, 23, and he explains that a time of judgment will come. Isaiah referred to the day when all the nations will bow before him, says the, one, of, one commentary I wrote, wrote. I don't write any. I, write, I read them. I don't write any of them. So, <laughs> yeah. But we must never participate in rejecting those whom God has accepted. We must be convicted that we will be held responsible for our own lives before God. Each person will give an account for himself or herself. And you can look again in Matthew 12, 36, in case you missed that before. If you do find yourself needing to confront another, it must be done with love, concern, wrapped in grace and truth, but not in judgment. We will give an account for ourselves alone to God. We account for ourselves. I'm not going to account for somebody standing next to me. I'm not even going to account for Doug, you know, whom when you're married, you become one, you know. I'm going to account for myself. We have enough, honestly, to answer for without condemning and looking down on others. We are better to lift each other up, helping one another. I love this saying. It says that in the front lines of a battle, all soldiers on your side look good. You look good, ladies. You look good. You do. So as I was looking back on this, it caused me to think about when Jesus was sharing with Peter about his future and his future death. 
And Peter's response certainly wasn't what mine would have been. I would have wanted to know every detail. When is it coming? Can you give me the date and the time? And who's going to be there? You know, I would, that, I would have been all about that. But Peter's response was, well, what about him? You know, and Jesus' response was, what is it to you if he lives until I come? Basically saying, mind your own business, you know? <laughs> you can read it in John um, 21, uh, starting at verse 19. But what I wanted to point out is we are accountable for ourselves to God. So stop looking at what everyone else is doing or not doing. It only causes you to be judgy towards them. And stop being judgy. Just be lovey. You know, just... Love them. Be lovey and gracious and kind. Be about the non-negotiables that are essential. And let the Lord convict each person according to what God is doing in them for their life's growth. Because God is at work. It's like all those people I knew that became a Christian and maybe dressed, you know, alluring or... Um, whatever was going on inside of them, they were thinking still kind of interesting thoughts. I got to see them grow. I had the honor to watch them be more like Christ. It is so amazing. So if we just take a step back, don't judge that person. We don't know if they're a new believer. And maybe they've been a longtime believer and they just still haven't grown. We can pray for them and just encourage them in the Lord. And we can watch have the honor to watch people grow in the Lord and love them through it, build them up, give them to the Lord. Uh, so we ourselves, we're responsible for us, and we are responsible to be ready to stand before him when the time comes. So let's pray. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for your word. Thank you that it just seems to just keep scraping everything out of my heart that doesn't need to be there. Yeah, and I thank you for that. I thank you for Jesus. I thank you that he's my judge and my savior, that he is our judge and our savior, that his blood has covered us. I thank you, God. I pray that the things that you have to work out of us today, God, that uh, you would do it. Thank you for your love, your kindness, your gentleness, and how, how you minister to us. I thank you that you draw us into a right relationship with you. And I pray even more so that as our day gets darker, the world gets darker, that our light would shine brighter, and that we would love harder than ever before, and that our light together would shine, and we would look like good soldiers. We thank you, Jesus. I thank you for this time. Be with the ladies as they go to their groups. Minister to them as they go. May their conversation be glorifying unto you. And we give this day to you, and we thank you in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.